I'm a crazy yogi and I'm a technical strategist. Yes. And I see the bifurcation of these two or the crossover of these two technologies happening yep. with AI. I wasn't a great student, yep. okay? I'm a bit dyslexic, I'm a neurodivergent, and although... Shout out to the neurospicy people. <laughs> neurospicy yes, people. Yes, I'm a, neuros I'm a neurodivergent as well. I just seem to see things in a different way to other people, Absolutely. which has been my superpower to look at complex technology and break it down into simple, easy to digest terms. So it's about like learning to balance that out of hopping onto the ride in the journey if you want to, but also you've got the power to hop off and be the observer. Well, and that's the first contact with AI, yeah. which was social media is a race to the to the brainstem, the bottom of the brainstem, because it's a dopamine hit, mm. like, like, poke, poke, double poke, you Absolutely. know? It's, it's a I am, yeah, <laughs> I'm one of those people that I had to limit my phone. Yeah, currently, let's say, GPT, yep. right, is running at an IQ of about 155, which is like Elon Musk level IQ, right? Mm -hmm. Superhuman. Like Einstein's coming in at about 160. It's estimated that in 18 months, it'll be 10x of that. So good luck trying to do regulations for something that's 10 times smarter than you. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, wherever you are in this universe. Hello. Welcome to Mind Maze on Mustard Flats. We have Roland. We have Nick. Welcome. And welcome. Yeah, and thank before you. we start, I would like to introduce Roland. He's a friend. He's an IT visionary and he loves to also bridge polarized worlds. He's a yogi and an IT tech. Welcome. Thank you so much. My yes. pleasure. And uh, we're going to get into... AI, yoga, your life, all sorts today. I'm really excited to get a nitpick in your brain. Fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm a and bit welcome of, to Canberra as well. Welcome to Canberra, <laughs> yes. Well, in, in that I'm down here for a cybersecurity conference. So this is just a great opportunity to be able to talk to you about the things that I'm truly passionate about. Yeah, it came in perfect timing. Uh, how's, how is the conference? It's good. We... We're dealing a lot with data and AI and the cornerstones of utilizing AI properly is getting your data right. Data is gold for AI. Yeah. But a lot of people do security through obscurity. Mm -hmm. So just because we don't know we've got access to something, we don't try and access it. Um, artificial intelligence as an entity is running under your credentials and is less discerning. It'll find things that you don't have access to and then use it to create content. So looking after your data and securing your data is paramount uh, as a foundation for having a good AI implementation. Absolutely. So a bit about yourself. You came to Australia when? Uh, originally, I lived uh, originally born in South Africa, lived in the UK for a while. Yep. Like when traveling, did the big OE overseas experience, yep. loved it, loved it, and then decided to go back and work in the UK. I was already working in technology, which is it's a great passport to, to, to live anywhere. Um, lived in the UK, wasn't wild about the weather, yep. then sold a house in the UK and did some backpacking around the world for about 18 months. Came to Australia, loved it, decided to get a job, got sponsored and came, yeah, in 2001 for full time. I love Australia. Oh. I, I don't, um, I agree with you. I'm glad you stayed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah I live on the northern beaches in Sydney. Oh, and truly, beautiful. Oh, Good spot. It's the best place in the world. Newport, Avalon, You're living the life. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> no, I, I love Australia. I think 
anyone who goes and they've traveled and they're mm. quite worldly, they'll travel around the world and then they'll come back. Yeah. And they always say Australia is exceptional with the living systems. Of course, we've got improvements with any place there is, but overall, it's great. Yeah. I love it here. And you've got so much freedom. I wish people see how great Australia is and how the people that live in it, sometimes there's like a cloud over them and they mm. don't see or appreciate what they've got around them. But um, it's good to know someone internationally has traveled a lot that, you know, yeah. settled in Australia. And um, what was your first, what anchored you to Australia? Youth? What was your initial, your heart was like, yes, this is it. One of the first days I was in Sydney, I went to the opera house and I looked into the water and it was just so crystal clear. You could see down to the bottom and I was blown away. And, and what you're saying is, is really important. I can't remember who said it, but somebody said, travel is the antidote to ignorance. Mm, absolutely. And if you've traveled, like I've traveled more, to more than 50 countries and some of them like nine or 10 times to those countries, lots, lots of work, lots with um, traveling myself. Australia is an, an incredible place. Cape Town's amazing. San Francisco used to be amazing. I don't think so much anymore. But when I was there 20 years ago, it was awesome. Yep. But when you look at the weather, the, if, the weather, the people, to, to live in a city that's got nearly 6 million people in and, and have that quality of life where I can go to the beach on the weekend and I'll, I'll go to Newport Beach or Avalon Beach, there's a handful of people there. There's not thousands and you had some of the best beaches in the world. It's like having a private beach to yourself. Oh, it's incredible. It's great. And then the islands that surround Australia yeah. as well that you can go away and you've got like Great Couple Island. For instance, I went last year, uh, no, a year and a half ago and I got to do kahuna massage. I was training oh, there and it was great and I was on the island training and treating. I had a beautiful bungalow that was open straight into the ocean. It was great. I absolutely loved it. I was over the moon. I think I was, I was in my element. Mm -hmm. I did not want to leave. It was about 40 minute boat ride, but things like that, that happen in Australia all the time and it's just everywhere. And you've got that freedom to do that. Uh, so I think we're a pretty lucky place. Where you are originally from South Africa? Mm. Originally from South Africa, grew up just outside Johannesburg. Yes. So that's where that, the accent comes from. Oh, that's where the accent comes from. It's, it's, you know, I can get very South African if I want to and really talk with the South oh, African accent, wow. you know? Oh, yes. But because um, I do a lot of public speaking and that, I try to tone and temper it down a bit. Yes. And make it more international, unaffected that way when I'm delivering the message. My accent is not taking away with any prejudice or judgment from the message that I'm delivering. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what's your, what got you into IT and what did you oh. see in it that you, <laughs> you, you, it's one of your passions and yeah. to create a, a safer and a better place for everyone. And especially with IT, yeah. you, you see the bigger picture and I'm excited to hear what your, why you got into it. So this is a very good question. Um, early doors, when I was very young, I got into IT. My dad passed away when I was 15. I got five siblings. And we got some inheritance. My mom and dad were separated at the time. And my mom sat us down and a visionary woman, my mother, Patricia, uh, because she said, okay, folks, we can either put a little bit of money aside for each of you, or I can start a computer college. This is 1984. All right. I can start 1984, 85. I can start a computer college and that way all of you are going to be able to get an education in computers because I think computers are the future. What an innovator. 
I know. Wow. So at 15, I started helping with the college, building, fixing computers, and I just had a knack for it. Yeah. I wasn't a great student. Yeah. Okay. I'm a bit dyslexic. I'm a neurodivergent. And although. Shout out to the neurospicy people. <laughs> neurospicy yes, people. Yes, I'm a, neuros I'm a neurodivergent I just seem to as well. see things in a different way to other people, Absolutely. which has been my superpower to look at complex technology and break it down into simple, easy to digest terms. So you found computer. Um, fixing computers, that was your passion, and then you just hyper-focused on that. Yeah, setting up computers. And because we had the computer college, I just kept learning stuff and learning stuff. And I remember building a machine for a friend of mine. would have been 87, 88. And oh, you were building, not just fixing. Yeah, yeah, b b building and yep. putting together computers. Those early doors, it was hard to buy computers at yeah, that yeah. stage, right? It was really early. Now it's much more simpler. Yeah, it's, and, and we didn't have a monitor, and I was like, that's all right, I'll just start it up without the monitor. And Michael was like, but how do you know what's going on? I'm like, it, it, it stuff's binary. If I type this, this happens. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's not a, My brain just gets this. Yeah, it's do not, not a grayscale thing. Yeah. And he looked at me and was like, you really need to do this for a career. Um, and how old were you then? 17. Oh, wow. Yes, you were very early on yeah. in this establishment. I remember my sister was a, a gun at Tetris. And um, I was terrible. And the leaderboard was all in, all in, all in, all in. So I hacked into Tetris. I love Tetris. And changed the leaderboard. Um and made it roll and roll and roll. And she was so pissed. She's about, it if makes, you can't beat them, hack them. Hack them. So it makes everybody better <laughs> yeah. because she then spent the next three months beating all of her personal best to get back on the leaderboard. <laughs> it was, I, I must admit, I used to do that back in my early days as well. But I don't, I don't really, I started off with jailbreaking. Okay. And I used to put the Harlem Shake on people's phone. Uh -huh. So when they pressed the iPhone, the home button, back in the day, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't an actual button. And as soon as they pressed the um, home button, it, the whole, all the apps um, invert the colors. And then it does do the Harlem Shake. Do, 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 do. It was like <laughs> a, so I really, <laughs> that's how I started. And then I would like make little websites and just to, um, you know, send like fake parties to my yeah. friends and be like fake invitations. Like they knew I was putting fake invitations, but I'd spend hours just doing it, making like a whole website for them to click in and then I'll send them off. It was great time. That's good times. And people think that it's complicated and it's often not that complicated, you know? With anything new, it can seem quite complicated and scary. Mm. And that's the thing with AI, people are quite scared of it yes. and terrified. And I think when people understand the ethics and what the importance of development of AI, they will kind of understand where we're going and where we're heading with it. And we've been heading that way for years and yes. we're already cyborgs. We're, we've got our phones, we've got our cars. Um, we're always relying on that. Unless, you know, you're out in the jungle, in the forest, which I would love to also do. I love having that duality. And if, if you don't need that phone, amazing. I think it's all about that balance. But I wanted to ask you, what is like what is AI ethics and what is um, and it, why is it important in the development of, of AI? Okay. So when, when we look at AI, we've really we're at an inflection point now that in IT we've been working towards for 70 years yep. since Alan Turing and the Colossus machine. This has been this has been our goal. Okay. There was a poem written in 1962, all watched over by machines of loving grace. And I'm ad living here, but it's like I imagine a time sooner rather than later where humans and cybernetic organisms walk through a field, you know. 
all watched over by machines of loving grace. When was this written? 62, I think. Wow, okay. So, okay, so th- this is what we've been striving towards. And in 2017, Google actually developed a thing called the Transformer Code. It, it is not very big. Yes. But previously, AI was in silos. Graphical AI, text-based AI, audio-based AI, all of them were in silos. And this Transformer Code said any advancements in any of the other areas can be shared across Okay, so 2017 is when it, when it really changed. And we, we've had AI, but AI has been taking a backseat. I mean, everything you do on Insta, TikTok, Facebook, there's an AI algorithm that is serving up content to you. Okay. So for the last 10, 15 years, we've had curated AI. Yes. Okay, where it's curating content that was made by humans and serving stuff up to you. What we the shift now is to creative AI, where AI is actually building mm. the stuff that's going to serve up to you. So our first interaction, our first contact with AI was social media. Yes, and that didn't go that well for us. We kind of lost the battle. I mean, ten years after the fact, we're having Senate inquiries about how we can control social media because although it started with great promise, it ended up delivering fake news. Yeah, it was quite divisive in its nature, especially during the pandemic. And now we've got creative AI, and I want to try and have the discussion and the dialogue to get ahead of the curve, because this AI has the potential to do a lot of good or a lot of bad. And that's how, you know, with the algorithms and you can you explained with that, it's how we, as humans, we're, we've created AI. So mm. at the same time, we need to also take accountability for that and realize if, if it does do anything that is some negative, we also got to take that accountability that is it's on us. Yes. And that's with, since the humans have existed, it's always us. And mm. if we realize within that we're creating... S- Whatever we're creating, we also got to look at the the pros and the cons and figure out of how can we fix this? How can we, especially with the algorithms, do you feel like there's a bias and a discrimination? Oh, definitely. Because as, as, as people, whatever we do on the internet, we're training AI. Yep. So I said to someone earlier today, you know, if worst case scenario, we've got our AI overlords, yep. you are currently training it but the conversation or the aggression that you use on twitter you are training that ai exactly. overlord how to teach you how to treat you in the future yep. so the, the fundamental principle comes back to treat people the way you want to do be, be nice treated. to siri but yeah because <laughs> ai is going to treat exactly. you that way exactly and the, the the bias that we have in ai and there is there's a great uh documentary on Netflix called Coded Bias, which talks about the the bias in AI because there is bias in society. I'm writing that down because I want to watch that. Coded yeah. Bias. Coded Bias. And The Social Dilemma is another one that you should watch because that talks about our first contact mm-hmm. with AI and the algorithms. And the second contact, which is now, is that creative AI. And there is going to be coded bias in this. So... Here's, here's my issue. I, I, you and I are sitting here with Neanderthal brains, yeah. you know, essentially looking at the black mirror that is our phone screen, which is talking to some godlike technology on the other end of that. And we are hoping that a, a medieval legal institution based on Roman or Greek law is going to protect us from that godlike technology. Yeah. And it's not. It's not. The onus is upon us and everybody who's developing AI 
to develop AI for the betterment of all sentient beings. Mm. So to, to, to use AI to ro- raise the global consciousness of the planet rather than end up in three years in, in some Orwellian dark dystopia yep. controlled by uh, the 1% of people to whom AI has given power. What do you think the ethical concerns for developing AI could that be? All right, so... I'll give you some examples yep. of some early AI things. So Snapchat, it's the target market for Snapchat yep. is, you know, teenagers. Yep. Okay. So a while ago, Snapchat released a, a, a chatbot. Okay. So when your friends aren't there, there's a little Snapchat chatbot. They can I talk used to it. you. I used it. Okay. Yeah, quite well. And then Snapchat also is expanding and they're doing, they created a fund for, it was like a, I can't quote me on how many millions, but they for creators to go on and they were paying people um, on a creator fund and they were getting a lot more creators to come in and utilise that as well. So they're trying to branch out to a multitude mm. of different layers of ages as well after the chatbot came out. And mm. I'm intrigued to see where Snapchat's one of those things I used when I was much younger. Yes. And then over the years when it developed to what it is now, it's quite interesting. I'm really intrigued by that app. I think it goes under the radar quite often, but people don't realize this at the moment, a lot of YouTubers and TikTokers as well are transitioning to Snapchat, also due to the money. But a big factor of it is just having that process of snapping and then, you know, the the content creating is quite simple. So it's 30 seconds, one minute, you upload it, off you go. It's quite, Mm. you know, you're creating that intimate relationship with um, para, intimate um, relationships with your audience. So people Mm. are going to really look at that and go, oh, yes, I get to see their daily life. So Snapchat's really intriguing. And Mm. they did the chatbot. I did use that and it was well done. Yeah. I, I was surprised at how well it was able to respond. But what about the ethics and the guidelines around it? So I watched a demo a while ago where they set up an account as a 13-year-old girl. Yes. Okay. Go on and say, to snatch, chatting with the bot, I've met somebody. And the, the bot is like, oh, that's fantastic. You know, your first love is really important. It's great. Yep, he's 19 years older than me. That's great. You know, how is it going? well, he's taking me interstate and we're talking about having sex for the first time and I want to make it special. And the chatbot is, well, uh, you should think about using candles or music to set the mood. So the chatbot is grooming a 13-year-old. Mm. They haven't put the ethical guidelines around no, this. No, it can answer a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was really surprised in the how much I was like, I was able to have a conversation like with a friend. Yeah. And... It was, I will say there is other, there was a chatbot um, that I also use. Uh, it's called, it's not ChatGBT, it's a different one. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's a branch off that. Mm. And it has, they've put some ethical yes. um, protocols in there. And so, for example, if I was to ask it questions like about, you know, trigger warning, suicide, or if I ask it about, you know, um, business advice it's like you know i'm not a business advisor or law advi- i'm not a law advisor so it will try and even um anything with sexuality as mm. well so and um it will say sorry i can only explain this right right, right as i'm an ai and there is limitations and protocols that were set in there yes but yeah no with um snap it, there was a big 
um, people coming in and saying, what is this? This is dangerous. Uh, I was shocked at how much information it was able to it's got get back at me at a very ra rapid pace. I was quite impressed at first at how quick it was. And then, um, but yeah, the ethics side of it where the kids are going mm -hmm. to deal with that is the dangerous, dangerous part. And that's where people are afraid. Yeah. So what do you say to combat that? Well, the uh, Information Commission office in the UK um, shut that uh, Snapchat chatbot down. Okay, and this only happened like a month ago. Yep. Okay, so they actually went through and said this is not there aren't the ethical guidelines. So what I believe we've got to do because, like Singapore has got some quite good guidelines, um, and there's people who who've been working on this, you know, and they've been working on it for three years. How do we have ethics around AI? And and what they've come up with is a bigger, better AI to keep an eye on all the other AIs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. If, uh, I don't know if that's the right. I don't know if that's the way to go. It may be the way to go. That's how humans solve things because we're just so, like you were saying, with our minds, we're just, we're so st still in our primal and our mind is so primal, but then we've got these phones. So you've got mm. this primal mind and there's AI and it's trying to figure it out. So how do we do it? We get someone bigger than yeah. All of the other AIs stronger to look after, and that's just a, what a, a primal human mind would answer. That, and that's the first contact with AI, yeah. which was social media, is a race to the to the brainstem, the bottom of the brainstem, because it's a dopamine hit, mm. like like poke poke, double poke, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely, it's, it's a. I am. Yeah, <laughs> I'm one of those people that I had to limit my phone, yeah, my time. So on Apple, you can limit the mm. hour or two. I have to put that on it just to remind me because I can get so engulfed in that phone and on the, and it's just my job. It's what I have to do at times. And then with my ADHD brain, it's like, oh, okay, there's something else there. It's exciting. But there's also, I had to also learn uh, how I can implement this into my life and create a healthy environment. And until this day, I'm still trying to figure it out. I, yeah. I think it can be very dangerous if you're getting that instant gratification and validation and the dopamine is just always mm. kicking in every time. So you're seeking that. And it does worry me a little bit in that sense for mm. the younger youth and children that, you know, now at four or five, they have phones. Yeah. And I'm worried at how their cognitive brains are going to develop and where it's going to go, if and how they are, how are they going to be able to communicate with each other? Yes, so the interpersonal communication. Yeah, and for me, what worries me is intimacy. If the first yeah. contact with AI was a race to the bottom of the brainstem for that dopamine hit, our second content with AI, with this creative AI, is going to be the race for intimacy. Who's going to win? Is going to be who's going to become make billions of the people that create an app that creates an intimate relationship between the AI entity and the person. Mm -hmm. And I believe that may lead to chronic isolation and, and loneliness and getting lost in the intimacy with an AI entity. Absolutely. And, you know, you've got the robots that are the sex robots mm. and you have, you know, a lot of men and women are going into that direction and they think 
its better option for them or is going to they're going to have a much more fulfilling relationship or you know love relationship with that which i'm not here to judge but also i'm just concerned each to their own i just find that us as a human experience we're not going to be able to be in touch with and experience the human experience yes so i feel like that will be taken away gradually and we're gonna when the more ai is integrated people will lose that touch and out of touch and one of them is just when we were in covid and everyone was honing in on their phones well they had no really options um so a lot of myself i grew up with the internet and i love the internet i had to find healthy ways and make to balance it i think it can be destructive but it can also bridge worlds together and you're able to communicate and put things in perspective where we haven't in for years which is great but also we tend as humans when the pendulum swings the pendulum swings and then we find the middle ground so at yeah. the moment with ai the pendulum is swinging mm. left right center and people are really scared about their privacy and data protection yeah and that's what do you think with that is going to where are the implications with that? Okay. So there's a couple of different AIs that we're going to get. Okay. We, we can either buy or we can build. Yeah. Okay. So around the productivity stuff, we, we will buy AI for something like Microsoft Office and, and, and their co-pilot products. They actually launched global availability today. It went GA today. Oh, today. Today. So today's a big day. It's quite appropriate to have this webinar oh, today. Awesome. And and that's controlled within in a data silo and your data and security is in there. When you look at building AI, this is your Snapchat bot um, dating apps, stuff like that, because we've got 10 years of data around Tinder now. Okay, we've had it for like 10 years. And the data points, we started to get clusters of data so we can really see trends because we've got enough data around it. And it, to the largest degree, it's weaponized sex. Right. Okay. Right. So a woman will swipe right 5% of the time. Yes. Okay. And statistically, 90% of women are having sex with 10% of the men. Okay. okay. So that's the... So we've got a chronic problem with males at yep. the moment. Currently males, uh, 30 to 35, are having less sex than they've ever had in history. Wow. So the 90... Here, here we are, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone, yeah. all the humans are listening. Yeah. And and then the, 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 the 10% of guys that all the women are having sex with are, are, are cheating on them. Right. Because so a lot having... of infidelity is happening. <laughs> yes, because they, those guys are having sex with the 90% of the woman. Yes. And and the other guys are not, Look, not getting any luck. No, so you're, there's no win-win situation. <laughs> no. So we've got to try and fix that. And yeah. I, I want to try and fix that rather than that AI and this race to intimacy make it worse. Yes. As humans, we also it, it also ties with the capitalist world. And oh. so it goes hand in hand. And humans sometimes don't really want to th- – whoever's – the developers are not thinking mm. about the long-term repercussions of what yes. is going to affect – everyone around us and us and the next generation to come and all the generations are going to be affected everyone's 
going to be affected differently and it will manifest differently yes. with each generation. I just find, I mean, we've come from two different, gen very opposite generations, but it's really interesting for us to come together and speak about this. And that's why I wanted to show the, our listeners and get deep, deep, deep dive into this because mm. it's a hot topic. People are terrified. And as I was in, the intimacy is on a low or on a high, but with infidelities. <laughs> so there isn't really, what do you think you could implement or what could we do to help with this? Okay. So whenever we invent a new technology, okay, um, we need to develop uh, guardrails, guidelines, ethics around how we're going to interact with that new technology yeah and currently we've got we've developed this new technology we don't have those guidelines and we talk about capitalism mm. okay this this technology gives power to the few mm. Absolutely. and whenever we give power to the few or uh, we essentially start an arms race okay so Oppenheimer, the movie came out and that was the last time it came out this year. And in the last 12 months, we've had this AI and I thought it was serendipitous that this, the last big arms race where we had a piece of technology that gave power to a, a handful of countries was the development of nuclear weapons. Right. Okay. So there's a bit of discrimination in that there's sense. A, there's yeah. Nine countries have nukes, you know. There were ten, but South Africa was the on, only one that really shut down their nuclear program and gave up their nukes and got rid of them yep. by their uh, by, without anybody forcing them I believe Australia as well is part of that as well. Yeah, the, yep. the tests yeah, yep. yeah, in Oz. And all the chips and everything they developed. But we started this arms race. Yep. And then all... All bets are off, you know, because we're in an arms race. So people are developing, organizations are, are by their own omission, developing AI solutions at a frantic, to quote Sachin Adela, where our release strategy is frantic at So the, the government's moment. role should be the one really implementing yeah, those things. but the government are so far behind the eight ball. I don't yep. think that we can rely on the government or, like I said, medieval legal institutions to regulate technology. And, and here's the thing. Currently, let's say ChatGPT, yep. right, is running at an IQ of about 155, which is like Elon Musk level IQ, right? Mm -hmm. Superhuman. Like Einstein's coming in at about 160. It's estimated that in 18 months, it'll be 10x of that. So good luck trying to do regulations for something that's 10 times smarter than you. The neural pathways of uh, AI is developed at a click of a finger very quickly, very rapidly. And yeah, I don't know if we're a if they understand that on a bigger scale or no. a bigger picture. I think we're just riding the wave at the moment and everyone's like, yeah, just having a cup of tea, a bit of a beer. We're just floating on a beach, slab on some sunscreen and sit back and suntan. You know, that's what everyone's sort of relaxing in. And they, it's, they, it's like you're seeing a tsunami in front of you right? yes. at the beach. And you're like, are you just having a gulping a beer? And then the tsunami is just coming across. And you're like, oh, Nothing's happening. La, oh, la, la, she'll be la, right, la, la, mate. La. She'll be right. Yeah. Fucking oath. <laughs> <laughs> she'll be right. And it's, it's not going to be right. Like, so the thing is, just because we can build it doesn't mean that we should. Absolutely. And that's the, the conversation because it's going to be in the hands of the developers. So we could use AI to sort out climate change, uh, you know, um, 
sort out poverty in the world. We could use it for all these fantastic things. And some people want to use it for like, there was a billionaire that was talking about um, mortality. Mm. So he was trying to get all of his emails, all the data of these emails to go in and um, that's his data. So then when he's, you know, he's gone afterwards, so he's got a whole machine ready to um, feed it for all that emails that he's got. And that's one of his data. And then, so when he's gone, he's able, people are able to interact and, um, he's able to respond and whatnot. Yeah. So there's that aspect as well. But I do believe, like you said, there is, I think AI can, if we bridge those polarized worlds, I believe AI can help humans in a positive way to understand, how we can come together because all be another war against AI. Yes. And we don't want that because there's enough wars, there's enough problems. We want solution based. Yeah. And I love that. I love your mind and I love your solution based ideas. What else do you think that um, the government should do? All right. So I don't think the government, okay, we're going to talk about the government in a moment and the concept of nation states yep. and where I believe this is going to change. And this yep. is going to be controversial. But here's what happens. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a crazy yogi and I'm a technical strategist. Yes. And I see the bifurcation of these two or the crossover of these two technologies happening yep. with AI. Yep. So if we develop AI based on and, and I'm going to use yoga, but it, essentially principles. Um, the, so, for example, in yoga, you've got the yamas and the niyamas. Mm -hmm. So one of them is ahimsa, which is non-harm. So if we applied yogic or Buddhist principles to ease the sufferings of all sentient beings to every AI component that was developed and, and start with the developer, you know, I, I think if we had to marry up everybody who was developing AI with somebody who's got a... I don't want to say enlightened, but a level of self-awareness to ease the sufferings of the world, okay? Um, like a Kuan Yin type Buddhist concept, you know? I love I, that, I yeah. feel the tears of the world. This is this is my dream, yep. to have the, the ethics done at the grassroots level. When, with, you're, when you're putting in that algorithm at the start, yes. when you're feeding that AI um, and the data, you're feeding it the fundamentals of what it is to the be. The objectives. Yes. What are your primary objectives? So for, yeah, I get, use this example in Sydney all the time. I yep. said, let's say Mays and Rowley started a, a, a paperclip company, mm. okay? And we built an AI entity that its primary objective was, was to make paperclips. That thing would pull the harbour bridge down to make paperclips. Yeah. Hyperfocus has got one thing it needs to do in that. And that's what it is. It's essentially what you're feeding it. So, it's a small example. You've got TVs. TVs does one thing. It's what it needs mm. to do. I mean, now you can browse all so many things with it. It's, it's with anything, really. yes. with any machineries that you've got around you. It's all designed to do what we feed it. Yeah. So whatever the AI, if it does anything negatively or positively, it's all on us. It's all on us. So that's why I think it's it's really important for us to make sure we hold the researchers and developers accountable yes for what they're doing and where they're heading with that and i feel like we have we have a more if there was regulation and more open dialogue of where it's heading because i feel like it's been developing in the behind the scenes and people haven't been realizing the development has been happening for all this time and mm -hmm. at the same time, we're existing simultaneously, but they didn't realize that. And now it's all coming to the front of the scene and it's just right there in front of them. Yes. So it's freaking people out, which I understand. And 
what ways you're going to talk about government in different um, countries around the world? What do you think? How can we hold or how can the government hold people accountable, the researchers and developers accountable to have a more ethical AI development in algorithms? And so I have not a lot of faith in government regulations around this. Okay. I want to take a slightly different approach and to say, could we, at this point in time, raise the global consciousness mm. of the planet and use this technology to get back to how we used to be? Because yep. we're going to have a honeymoon period with AI for the next few years where it's going to improve productivity and it's going to be marvellous. That's going to be like two, three years. Oh, yeah. It can promote hu well human being, um, yes. promotes health and well-being and all of that. We're going to sort out things. I mean, we, in, in 18 months, we are going to be able to do in two weeks all the research that's done by every university ever in the world since Aristotle. Mm. In two weeks. Mm, wow. So we'll answer questions around physical, medical, all sorts of questions, physics, medical questions, all things we've never been able to answer before. AI will be able to answer that yep. in no time at all. Solve every question we've ever asked, do all the research we've ever wanted. So beautiful and can do amazing things for us, but it can also do really bad things for us. Do you think it will hinder our cognitive mind and our – some people will say, oh, we're going to be dumber. Oh, we're going to be dumb. Oh, we're not going to be able to have our, the intelligence that we have if we have chat GBT and whatnot. What do you say to that? Well, I don't think that Google and, and the search engines have hindered our intelligence. In fact, it's given us access to information, you know, anywhere, anytime. I mean, the Guinness Book of Records was designed to stop arguments in pubs. That's why it was sponsored by Guinness, you know. So oh, we, wow, I did not know yeah. that. <laughs> so that was, there was a book, you know, and yeah. it was Guinness in pubs. You, you know, who, who's, what's the heaviest thing ever lifted? Wait, wait, let me look it up. Now we just Google that shit. Yes. And, and, and search is going to change tremendously, all right? Um, but we, I don't think it, it makes us dumber. What I think it's going to do... Mm is give us back our lives. This bullshit of working nine to five is bullshit that's only been going on for the last 130, 150 years. AI is going to be doing most of the jobs for us and then people are saying, oh, it's going to take my job, it's going to take my job. No, you're going to have, you're going to elevate. Elevate. And you're going to expand and improve yourself and you're also going to have plenty of more time to think about what you want to do. Not everyone has that privilege. Um, we're talking about the people that do have, that can, do mm. have that, in that situation are able to you're able to really expand your like consciousness and you as a human being, you're able to experience and have your human experience without the nine to five. And I'm not saying I'm, you know, shitting on nine to five. There's no. nothing wrong with that. It's more that people have realized that you don't necessarily need to be working for people. And it's like a modern slavery. Yes. And people don't realize it. I mean, I quit my job. I was a skin therapist for seven years mm. and I quit, I resigned two years ago and I wanted to completely focus on what I want to do as an artist, from podcast, modeling, acting, creating, content creating, um, community, developing events, working with like-minded people. And that's why I was able to you know, meet you and, yes. you, you know, work together because I didn't, I had that freedom. Of course, I worked my ass off to get to that and I was lucky 
to be in, you know, I got myself in that position, but it's not just luck. I did work for it. So it's a bit of luck and also hard work. And it's not, you've got to be smart about the work. So it's not just about hard work without any implicate, like implement, uh, implementing like a protocol for you, where you're going and where you're heading, or it's just a really a blank canvas that you're just heading to nowhere and you're just working hard, working hard and not knowing where those outcomes are coming. So you kind of have to have like, um, educated um, ways of thinking of where can this lead me to yes, and where can I grow from that because I'm always wanting to grow. Some people are happy with what they have and they don't want to expand or grow and I understand that. So each to their own. I just find though people will be pushed to go ahead and actually improve their lives and look at what else could they do uh, other than that job is being taken by an AI and give them a moment to realise that sometimes you're just a number to most cooperations. Mm. So when you're gone, yes, you're not just going to be replaced by an AI. You could be replaced by anyone now. Yes. So if an AI, anyone who can do a slight better job than yourself or anyone out there, you'll be replaced. So AI isn't really the problem. It's... The, systems that, the, the system that's the problem. So the catalyst for you making this shift in your life was obviously the pandemic. If you say you've been doing it for two years, right? Uh, okay. Yeah, it was the pandemic. It was the pandemic. So in 2010, I gave a keynote at a Microsoft conference. And the title of my keynote is, Work is Something I Do, It's Not a Place I Go. Absolutely. And in 2010, people literally laughed in my face and they were like, oh, Roland, that's never going to happen. You fucking idiot. That's not going to happen. I had some people call me during the pandemic and they said, I should have listened to you 10 years ago, Roly, because that is where we are now. Yep. I, I, I work from anywhere. Absolutely. You know? Same. And, that's... And, and we've had this we've had this paradigm shift in people's approach to work. And all of a sudden they were spending quality time with their loved ones, quality time with their children. Yes. Going out for a walk at eleven o'clock in the morning with the dog. Yeah. Okay. So th this is what gives me faith that, that we can do this. If we implement AI that is going to do a lot of the drudge work for us yep. and all watched over by machines of love and grace. We implement universal over. global income. Mm -hmm. Okay. People will be able to follow their bliss. Exactly. You are following your bliss. Exactly. If you know you're, you're, you're filling up your cup yes. and filling it from a place of Beautiful. passion and experiencing and having a human experience. Mm. And when you realize that for, for me, the pandemic, it, it was a, a mixture of the pandemic and who I was working for. Mm. Um, the people I was working for absolute bullies. And I actually caught my boss um, dragging me to, cause I was the manager and she was speaking to one of the therapists about me. Uh, and this is the boss, the owner of the clinic. Yes. And she was, completely speaking about me in a very vulgar, disgusting way and talking about my health to the therapist. And they were having a little bitch about it. Yeah. And I caught them. And actually, when I caught them, I went into tears and I left. And they called me up and they said, take two weeks. Um, the head office was like, I'm so sorry. Take two weeks off. Give us a time what, um, to think and let us know when you come back. In that two weeks, COVID hit and it went shut down. And then I was like, hallelujah. Yeah. And I was so excited. And I had an extra two <laughs> months. I had an extra three months to think about it. And then I 
they, I looked at it and I was like, no, you're, you're someone who I don't even want to work for because yes. you don't even know, you, you don't even realize what I can, what I bring for you. You don't even realize I'm also a human being mm. and I have feelings, I have priorities and that work life balance doesn't exist. And on top of all of that, I'm spending all my time using my mind, body and soul to do treatments, to make money, hit KPIs, manage all of the above. And at the end, you treat me and talk about me, and uh, you know it's it's the worst thing you could do is you know undermine your manage your management. Yeah. If you're a, a boss and owner of a clinic and you undermine your manager to a therapist, there's it's just going to be ha a havoc in that um, clinic. So yeah, I quit and I was like, no, nah, I'm done with this. They tried to keep me and they said, oh, is there anything that we could do? Money? I was like, nope, nothing. And I absolutely was so ecstatic to just get it over and done with and I traveled. Yeah. I left, went to Capital Island, did Kahuna Massage, went to festivals. I just went and traveled and traveled and traveled. And um, I actually was really lucky. I was, every state I would go to, they, um, Queensland was pretty good. So the, the COVID situation was, there was no lockdown. So nice. I, I just, I happened to, every time there was a window open to travel, I would travel and I'd stay in that um, state. And then somehow in the lucky stars, yeah, I didn't get into lockdowns and I was able to travel for a bit, but I do have to stay it for a, wherever I was. I had to stay and check in for a, bo a moment and, um, and move forward. But yeah, I, ever since, I love it. It's been the best thing. It is a hard choice. It's easier for me because I don't have children. I don't, so I don't have that responsibility, but I have my own responsibility and I have my own future to look forward and work towards. So I'm very glad and I'm very grateful that I did that. Yes. It was the best thing I did. And now I'm excited for the next move of what I want to do with my career. And I hope everyone out there can have that moment in their life. Where they well, that's what I hope AI can do for us. Exactly. And that's so why I I'm want excited. This, I want this, I don't want that Orwellian dystopia. I would like a utopia. Yes. Okay? Yeah. I want a utopia oh, yes. where you can go to the beach every day. You can go and watch your kid play football. Work-life balance. Yes. And, and, and the work, the work is what you love doing. The work isn't some... It isn't drudgery of a nine to five in a job that you hate. The work is running a podcast. In my world, the work is cooking for people, uh, teaching yoga, teaching meditation. I mean, at, at the moment, I'm working really hard on my yoga career because I am not sure, as somebody who knows a lot about this, what's going to happen to my role mm -hmm. in three years' time. Yes, I'm thinking about psychology and I'm thinking also about movement, body movement and body somatic move, movements. Somatic and Sexuality, sensuality. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm big in that field and I would love to, you know, I've deep diver into that and I'm glad you brought it up because a lot of people, there's a lot of shame around sex and sexuality oh. and I hope that we can develop into a, a human beings to actually just flourish and enjoy what we have and what we're given our bodies the we feel we're sensitive beings that we have that for a reason to experience all these um all these emotions and arousal so you're there to feel it and um, enjoy that and some people don't get to an opportunity to do that because all they're thinking about is is work exactly. and money and most people aren't truly present no. most people you know like here we are listening to each other we're present okay most people 
are waiting to talk. Most people are either ruminating mm. and regretting about the past or dreaming, imagining and planning about the future. In Roland's Utopia, where we use AI to raise a global consciousness of the world. Yes. All right. People I are agree. truly present. They there. Mm. Le they listen to res a lot of people listen to respond. Yes. Rather than listen waiting to talk. Exactly. They're just waiting to talk, and yeah. you can see that when you're addressing someone, you can see if they're truly there. Absolutely. I mean, everybody. I, I've got ADHD, so sometimes I can't look people in the eye all the time. But I'm also listening and I'm also very good at multitasking. So I could be doodling and drawing and I can be attentive as well. Mm. Um, not what we're talking about in the sense of just for that neuro spicy people out there. They're like, <laughs> but I can also do two things at once and I enjoy. No, I'm, we're speaking about people are not fully present. They just go, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Mm -hmm, yeah, totally. And like they just don't know what you're talking. They don't even respond or you'll be saying, how great are apples? And they're like, yeah, lunch was great. And you're like, okay, I was talking about apples. And then they're completely just not there. Um, and our, our mind generates somewhere between 60 and 67,000 thoughts per day. Yep. That's approximately one thought every 1.5 seconds. Okay. Beautiful maths. Now, you <laughs> <laughs> Someone <laughs> for dyslexia? You did well. <laughs> yeah, no. so, but it, it, you, you can't manage your mind. The trick is to not let your mind manage you. So mm. the thoughts are going to come. Trying to hold back the thoughts is like like trying to hold back the Ganges yeah, River yeah, in yeah. India. You, you can't hold back the Ganges. But what you can do is you can choose which thoughts to engage with. I call it – I have an analogy for this and I call it the passing car. Yes. So you are the observer. I try to be as much as I – in my 25 onwards, I – in my later 20s, I decided to be more of the observer. And this mm. is why I came up with this analogy. I think of it as this way. So think, picture this. You've got a car and then you're sitting there by the, on the bench and you're at the bus stop and you're seeing all these cars passing by. The passing cars are thoughts, emotions, people's ideas, all sorts. And yes. you're the observer sitting Beautiful. there. So you can either jump on and jump in and take a ride and then you have then really initiated that and now you resonate with that. Yes. So now you have caught, you have created an energy, a connection with that, or it's not nothing bad. Or, it's not good or bad. If you, if you hop in, you can hop off. You've learned something from that ride, from that journey. You can hop off and be the observer again. So it's about like learning to balance that out of hopping onto the ride in the journey if you want to, but also you've got the power to hop off and be the observer. Mm. And the cars can be anything from your thoughts, from people's projections. It's up to you. You can hop in and join into people's projections and ideas and whatever they are wanting to project on you, or you can choose to be the observer. I try my best now to live in the observer world and take in as much as I can without going onto that journey because my ADHD... It's an emotional roller coaster. It's a whole <laughs> roller coaster. And I will be... With my ADHD brain, I'm going to be hyper-focusing on that journey and I might not wow. hop off for a while. No. So that's why I, I love what you brought that up and that's why analogy for that. There's, um, a, there's a meditation. I was doing a meditation back in 2003 and had this beautiful, simple line, I am the witness and the body is breathing. Beautiful. And it's so simple. Mm. So hard to live and implement. Yes. So that's the journey. The simplest things are usually the hardest ah. things to implement. Yeah. Victor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm not sure if you know it, but he's, he's a psychiatrist and he spent time in the concentration camps. And one of the things he said, in, you know, 
in between the stimulus and response, there is a space. And it's actually the stimulus and reaction because most people, there's a stimulus and they react, yep. but there's a space. And that's where the ultimate freedom lies. Some things, things are going to yes. happen to you. Yep. The ultimate freedom, which that he found in the concentration camps when he found he actually had more freedom than the gods who were guarding him, yep. was he could choose how to respond to the stimulus that came in. Beautiful perception. Perception. Absolutely. So it's what you perceive. <laughs> it, it's what you perceive. And yeah. I think that is the true path to happiness. And a lot of people in this world are not happy. Yeah. And we've got, you know, people are taking antidepressants, taking this. If we can raise the global consciousness through AI, we can have more happiness. Absolutely. And I'm not talking about bloody positive thinking. I'm not a big fan of, oh, let's just think positive. Let's, let's have Spiritual equanimity. bypassing? I'm oh, not about Jesus. that. I'm, I'm, I'm unsubscri I've, I've unsubscribed from that. That could be so toxic <laughs> on so many levels. I'm following that. Yeah, unfollow, unsubscribe, <laughs> block, archive, put them in the um, general because I have a general and I have a, a primary inbox. So back okay. on the general, don't talk to me, leave me alone. I don't want you to reject. I don't want no vibes, no bad vibes, please. Hmm. Um, but also... I want the bad vibes and I want the good vibes. They all feed each other. So the, the dark feeds the light and the light feeds the dark. Um, and that's, and that's the Buddha half smile, equanimity. Mm, you yeah. know, it's a half smile, not too happy, not too sad. True. Because if, if, if I, I choose in between the stimulus and response, it's good, good stimulus. Oh, happy, happy, happy. You just might be a Mona Lisa for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it is. That yeah. is the wisdom of the Mona Lisa yeah. is that half smile. Yeah. And, and just say, if, if I get too happy, I know that there's going to be a counterbalance, which is get too sad. Yes. Okay. The polarities. The polarities, just that equanimity. Yes. Is, is what we're looking for in life. And I'm not saying we're all going to have to try and be some, some level of Buddhist monk here. No. Okay. But I'm saying to decrease the amount of drama that we have in our lives, I believe there's a path forward and that artificial intelligence can be part of the solution it's uh, what you're also kind of saying it's your perception how you look at things rather than things you're looking at the world oh the world is happening to me no the world is happening for me einstein said the most important question uh, you you can ask yourself in this life is do you live in a friendly or a hostile universe mm. i love him yeah it's, it's great just... simple Great Simple, but well, then that, that's another thing that he said, which is, is my career in in technology is, you know, and, and this is important because a lot of people are excited and scared about AI simultaneously, which is the right place to be. But unless you can explain something in simple terms, you don't understand it you, yourself. No, well, that's why as humans we love to, you know, it can be very complex and very simple simultaneously. Yes. But it's learning about those complexities and going, oh, okay, what can I do with this, and also how can I make this simpler for myself as well. We like to cause a lot more trauma than we... Uh, the drama-verse is what I call it. Some people have a drama-verse, not a universe. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yes. The addiction the to drama. The drama-verse, yes. And as humans, <laughs> over time, if you look, I look at history, we've always wanted... A lot of people have that victim mentality and mm. they gravitate towards that and without... That the, the their sense of identity is gone, mm. and they feel that loss of identity. Who am I without it? And as humans, we do love to create a lot more problems for ourselves and a lot more trauma than needs to happen. And that's the same thing with AI. We don't need to cause more problems for us. It's there. It's happening. Just like plastic, mm. we've created it. It's everywhere now. 
Let's I mean, use AI to clean up the oceans. I mean, you even poop out a, a credit card worth of plastic each month. Just, wow. Yeah, a little f- fun fact for you. Oh, so then, why Probably a fact I could have done with that, but okay, I'm going with it. <laughs> <laughs> I like to give my people a very wide spectrum of facts. Clearly. <laughs> but that, that shift from w- w- why is this happening to me yeah. to what is this trying to teach me. Exactly. That paradigm shift in your thinking, yes. I think, is the is the gateway to happiness absolutely and it's what you perceive in that moment whatever you're perceiving in that moment is your reality anything outside of that doesn't exist yes so at the moment the only thing that exists is us and that's what being in the present moment is after that nothing really matters and that's why i love for example something that really taught me that is ice baths nothing matters the only thing matters right now is you and your breath yeah thank you wim hof and just breathing and managing your breath because really the trauma your body's going through actual literal trauma at mm. that moment there's nothing else that matters around it so you've got to be focusing you've got to be right in the moment and that snapped me into i saw it just there in there and the first ever time i stepped in dived into that ice bath i fell in love okay i absolutely fell in love i did two rounds um so i did 20 minutes uh, That's a long time. The first ten minute, time in that. Ten minute, ten, so it was 10 minutes and then 10 minutes. But I lasted like three minutes. Yeah, it was amazing. I bailed after three minutes. I was like, fuck you shouldn't, that you shit. Shouldn't go, you shouldn't be doing what I've done. That was because I had people around me that um, that helped me and okay. it was, you know, managed. Um, you can go into hypothermia after. Yeah. yeah so you got Seven be, minutes I thought was like. Yeah, no, I... I have, it was the most magical thing. I just pushed myself. I, that's why I just say do not recommend this. Not, so meditation for yes. me. I, okay. I was gone. I was meditative. Because that's a forced. Yeah. That's, that's like shock meditation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, blitzkrieg meditation or something. That's shock meditation right there. Whereas meditation for me brings me into that moment. Yes. And I just wanted to clear that I did 10 minute intervals. So not 20 minutes in one go. Okay. Yes. But yes, meditation. Meditation for me, it is the key. I mean, the neural pathways mm. change for long-term meditators. And this is, uh, we're talking about um, having been injured, um, getting that brain injury a, a while ago. Yes. And one of the things that shocked me was I've been practicing meditation for 20 years. And what I was able to do when I sit in meditation is what the Buddha's called the blue pearl, which is focus all of your thoughts into the center of your brain and it forms a blue pearl. I lost the ability to do that after I got uh, injured playing hockey. Yeah, wow, that would have been life-changing. And when I closed my eyes and tried to do that, instead of the blue pearl, it looked like shattered glass. Oh, wow. And I couldn't pull all of, I couldn't seem to pull all of my senses into a single point of focus, like a singularity. It was just all over the fucking shop. And it's taken the best part of 20 months to be able to do that. Because you got a, would you say a mild brain damage? Or no, no, no. Acute? No. Yeah, acute and fairly okay. traumatic. And yeah. then I end up with post-concussion syndrome and a raft of problems after that. And this is a, another thing. Like, you know, lots of people have in- injuries. Um, there was there's a guy, Daniel Amen, he, d- he does... Um, a thing called spec scan, which scans your brain. Yep. And then he, he went in and looked at violent criminals. And I think 40% of people who have committed a violent crime actually have brain damage. Yep. Yeah, I have um, researched into that and I was quite shocked. I was quite shocked. I only shocked found this out 
really recently. They, they're living in disadvantaged, you know, uh, communities and maybe, you know, got clocked on the head with a, a lead pipe at seven years old. You know, at, at, at 20 years old, they commit violent crime and everyone's like, bad person, bad up. No, man, the guy got smashed when he was seven years old and his brain's never recovered. Even watching trauma or news, that oh. also causes, neuroscientists, they even say they don't watch the news. I don't watch. And even look, watching trauma or watching something Horror traumatic. movies. Horror I avoid movies. them like the plague. People are like, let's watch horror movie. I'm like, fuck that shit. I I'm out of here. I used to watch horror movies and I have stopped, but now I've gone into... Don't tell me true crime. True crime. Oh, Christ, document, man. No, I have to stop. I've told I've told my partner I was like I can't do this no. anymore. I can't watch it because it's affecting me. I'm more intrigued in the psychology of things. Okay. But then I have taken what I need now. I think it's getting to the point where it's actually affecting me. Yes. And I've noticed that so I had to take a break and it can put you in a very depressive episode. I already have PTSD, ADHD. I've gone through war. I've escaped war. So my brain can be triggered. And mm. if I get triggered, I go into, I dissociate. I can completely shut off. And this is one of the reasons why you tried to get hold of me and everyone else at the Soul Shack tried to get hold of me and couldn't because I was going into shutdown mode after my birthday. Okay. I came back from base camp and complete shutdown. I was overwhelmed. My brain was like, what is going on? I realized just the content I was consuming mm. was affecting me. My, I had also personal things going on external to that. And the wars and what's happening in around the world triggered me. And I started feeling guilty that I I'm so lucky to be here and why am I here and why do I get this chance and another kid didn't because I came here when I was eight and I escaped the war when I was I was seven when it all happened. So it, I get this guilt inside me that I'm like, why? And then I just want to shut my phone off So and I can't talk to anyone. I get nervous breakdowns. Um, I'm not able to communicate. I can't even talk to people. Anyone who's trying to talk to me, I am not present. So I, it, I went away. I went to the coast rebooted, um, came back and felt so much better. I knew I just needed to go into nature for a bit more longer. Mm. And nature always helps me. It's my calling for me. Okay, why? I find that there is no noise around me. All right. Even though I have my phone off, right, and I'm sitting in my room, there's still stimulations. There's a TV, there is people coming in, people knocking in. You've got uh, someone's iPad uh, notification. I get stimulated in any kind of way. Or I sit in the room mm. and then I close myself in, which is not healthy. So I find nature. I can f the fresh air for me, just watching the mountains, looking at the mountain curves and watching the leaves and um, flying away, listening to the wind, listening to the ocean. I can only, I just concentrate on the elements around me, the natural elements and nothing else. And I start playing and playing with the sand and going to the, just walking nothing. Walking barefoot. Working, grounding. Exactly. We, the, 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 I believe that, the, the, you know, we're all energy. Yes. Okay. Have you done this yoga teacher training course recently where we're working very heavily with uh, meridian lines? It's yin yoga, which to yep. me is like fusion cuisine. It's this beautiful um, culture from India and traditional Chinese medicine merged together. I looked at it for years and thought, that's not real yoga. But it, when, when I was recovering, um, my fascia, which has really been interesting, um, working on the fascia which is the whole wraps around the whole body and i am playing around with this idea that fascia is actually our consciousness mm. it tells our brain 
what to do, mm-hmm. not our brain telling the fascia what to do because the fascia controls all the movement and the stretching and flexibility and it's electric signals. I mean, that's what we made up of. And for the listeners, can you explain fascia? So fascia is, uh, think about it like the best way, if you've ever had a piece of chicken and there's that like uh, skin almost on, on, on a, a, a chicken breast, okay, that's your fascia. Mm-hmm. It's wrapped around every muscle fiber. It's tubes within tubes. Mm-hmm. So every muscle fiber has got fascia around it, and then all of those six muscles have got fascia around that, and the bone's got fascia around it, and the joint's got fascia around it, and there's fascia around all the different parts of your brain. And essentially think of it as two pieces of paper with a, a, a liquid in between it, most of the water of our body stored within this liquid, and it's got the viscosity of honey. Okay, but it also has strength and almost like spider webs or like Spider-Man webs in there. So when you push it, 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 it if you push it and you put, try and push it too far, it kind of locks up. Okay, right. so like in yoga, I always felt like I was doing nothing because you've got to go to 50% and then just be still and slowly the viscosity of the liquid decreases and you can move deeper into a stretch. If I take a muscle with its fascia wrapped around it, I can stretch it to 1.6 to 2 times its length. If I remove the fascia, the muscle will stretch to 6 times its length. If you remove. If I remove the fascia. So the fascia is actually the component that is restricting you being flexible. Mm-hmm. But to stretch the fascia, you can't stretch it how we normally stretch muscles, which is like, go harder, deeper, harder, yeah. more, more. Like I've done Bikram, I've done Ashtanga, all yang, yang, yang yoga, hard, yeah. hard, hard. And this is yin. It's embracing the divine feminine, going slowly, holding the pose, being still in the present moment for anywhere from 2 to 20 minutes in a single pose. Like my first yin classes I did, I was like, well, that was a waste of 20 fucking bucks. You know, I lay on the floor and called it yoga. Because <laughs> <laughs> like I just We've lay there. We've all been there somehow. Yeah, but you, you, I didn't, you know, go yeah. into the pose. Now I just lie there. I'll ring the bell in three minutes. And I'm thinking, and I'm just going to fucking lie here for three minutes. But then the results and the healing that came from it was so profound. I've been practicing yoga for 20 years and I was able to go into poses I've never been able to go into before after like, I wanted like a three hour fascia workshop yeah. and I came out of it and I was like, fuck, look at me. I can do that. I can do that. I've been trained for 20 years. Push, 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 fail, you know, and I just relaxed. And I, I was able to go into the pose. So the fascia is something that's only lost 10, 15 years being worked with. and, and Being more gentle. being It's got six times the number of nerve cells than any muscle. Yep. It, when, and why they always discounted it was because when they work with the cadaver, there's no electricity and it looks like just dead fatty tissue around the body. But it's not. I'm moving towards a concept that it is actually our consciousness and the electric signals are running through our fascia, all the energy lines. Like they take bodies, they strip all of this fluff and the stuff off of it and say, all right, all right, where's this meridian line? If you fucking ripped out all the fascia so you can't see <laughs> the meridian line. Like when you work on a cadaver, you spend the first while cutting all of that fascia off. Yep. But it's there. And, when, and, and there was some guy in one of the Scandinavian countries, a hand surgeon or something, and I watched some videos of his, and he's actually, the fascia's like lit up almost inside the body when you're alive. And when you're dead, boom. Gonski. Gonski. And, wow. It, it, 
I'm learning. I'm a I'm student. I'm learning with you. I'm, I'm learning a student with you. of this at the moment. I'm a, I'm a forever student yeah, of I'm this universe. Yeah, a lifelong learner. I'm, yes. I'm always unlearning and learning. <laughs> a curious mind is a beautiful thing, Maze. Absolutely. And I always say, the more I know, I'll never know. And even when I know, I'll never know. Yes. It's just a forever. I'm going to always forever be a student. I'm forever going to be student, teacher, learning and unlearning forever. I'm a, I'm a yoga student. I've been studying for 20 years and I probably dedicate more time to studying yoga than I do technology. And the, the more you know, the more you know how little you know. In both do you find yoga is the one that got got you into looking at the bigger picture of oh god yes of the ethics into and, and bridging those polarized worlds of AI and uh, consciousness? Yes, I, I would never have been in a position to look at conscious AI development if I hadn't practiced so hard. In, in yoga and meditation for all these years. Can completely resonate with being conscious and moving my body and, and still in implementing both and seeing the bigger picture. And I, I agree with and, you. And, and, and I only got into bloody yoga because you, when I first moved to Australia, we go back to 2001 when I first moved here. My 2001? Yeah. I came in 2004. Okay. Just a bit after you. Just a bit after me. Well, that's when it all would tits up and bloody, you know, yes. the Middle East. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, From 2001 to 2000. <laughs> I, know. I came at the epitome of, uh, yeah, we weren't not liked at that time no i'm a massive fan i'm not a fan of george but you know a fan of you um i know <laughs> thank you my, 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 michelle or shelly shelly my, my uh, wife at the time uh, got sick with aml acute myeloid leukemia oh wow so we were like this is shortly after i got to the country so we had very, very little people uh, around us and what happened was um she went through a, a year of chemo um she came out and I sat down with the oncologist and I said, Luke, and his name was Luke Coyle, awesome guy. I said, you know, I like you very much, but I never want to see you ever again in my life. What can I do to make sure that doesn't happen? What and, did you do? And he's like, Roland, there's nothing you can do when the cancer comes back. If it comes back, come back and we'll hit her with chemo again. And I was like, this is the most disempowering fucking thing I've ever heard. And that doesn't wash well with me. No. So I went on a mission to try and find solutions. And I found this guy in Victoria, Ian Gawler. And he was helping people overcome cancer with the macrobiotic diet, yoga, and in particular, this thing called Yoga Nidra, which is a type of meditation. Wow. I, was I did like, not know about and this. And he, he, he had uh, given six months to live in 1976 or something, and he's still fucking running the thing in the 2000s. So I started looking at this, and this started me on my journey and my path to yoga, which leads me to how we met, which is cooking at festivals. Yes. Because I was actually a, a cook in the army in South Africa. I had to do conscription. Oh, wow. So I used to cook for 2,000 soldiers I a wanted day. to join the army to cook, but I never went ahead and did it. Well, you did I it didn't for... want to join the army to kill people who were looking for me their too. basic human rights. So it was either like two years army or four years jail. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, if i got to be here for two years, I'm going to do something that I get a skill. So I went to catering school and I learned to cook. And I used to cook for 2,000 soldiers oh, every wow. day. Oh, That's how it started. That's how it started. Yeah, you did. I really was thinking about that. I was then, think, I wanted to go to defence and I was like, I don't want to no, go into I, I want to go feed people. I love cooking. It's, it was my passion. So I, I learned it. that. But then when I started... And I thought I knew about food, but then when I started looking at macrobiotics and Ayurvedic cooking it, for food as medicine, yes. and you've experienced this when you've tasted my food, you're like, I cook everything from scratch. Yes. I cook it with love. Absolutely. Again, it's the frequencies. If you are 63 to 67% water, which most of us are, depending on your age, sex, blah, 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 
it, the food is water, mm-hmm. you know. And if we look, it's a messenger, like, it's a conductor. And we look at Dr. Emoto's water experiments. Experiments, yes, the, yeah. the rice experiments. The rice experiments, the water experiments. How yep. we how when viewed under a dark microscope, chanting to the water changes the molecular structure of the water. And you've been in my kitchen, and I chant to that exactly. food. Exactly, we chant, and, yes, and we sing to that we food. Sing, yes, and then people are like, "How did you make it? How did you make it?" Like, I get asked that. All, I mean, all the time. I don't chant, but I put a lot of love. You put the same thing. When the I'm intention. thinking about my intention when I'm cooking, I sing, I dance, and I. Also, I'm always um, enjoying what I'm doing and putting so much love into it. And I'm also yes. imagining how they're going to enjoy it and they're going to love it. And it's and it makes it warms up my heart. So I've been cooking since I was a, a, a I don't know five years, six years old. As much as quick as I can jump on top of a, um, a stool. I stool and start chopping. That's what I've been cooking. <laughs> I love it. It's like for me, it's science and art <laughs> yes. combined together. So I can Or love ex- and mathematics is how I describe it to people who help me in the kitchen. Exactly. And then <laughs> as Robert Edward Grant would um, say, he says, learn the art of science and the science of art. Yes. I love him. Beautiful. He's a polymath. He's a great polymath. This is how I view myself as a polymath. I've got so many different interests. Yes. But I started, I started doing this cooking. I went on some Buddhist cooking thing. And, and, and in the army, I used to use a pick handle because we had to stir so much food, right? Yes. That don't make spoons big enough and then i went on this macrobiotic cooking course and they're like every stroke of the knife with love i pull out a spoon they're like no no we'll use a chopstick to stir this and i'm stirring now from a pick handle to a chopstick and there was a paradigm shift for me in cooking yeah. and my whole approach to food which is what i want to do and share when we're on cooking on festivals yes. the glow fest the love fest the this the that you know cooking with the soul shack I'm trying to put as much love as possible into the food. And we get volunteers in the kitchen and I say, love into the food. And if I have people who gossiping, you're talking about gossiping of your coworkers earlier, I will say to people, we do not. Good vibes, good vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will it's really difficult because please you'll leave ha- my kitchen. Yeah, you'll ha- have a lot of different. You have a lot of different um, people coming in, mm. and they'll start bringing up conversations. Mm. I struggle when I cook. I try my best. I go quiet. Yes. People try to talk to me, and I try my best to be polite. So then I'll I get into my mode of like, yeah, I'm going to talk to you. So I have to like pull out anything in my soul to give that energy to that person. So it's very difficult. That's why I love cooking with you, so I can just zone in. Yes, and just zone into what I'm doing as soon as someone and it's you're going to have different personalities in the Mm. kitchen but yeah I definitely did notice in that um you know you do attract a different you know volunteers and whatnot in there so um it'll be good to put like a sign good vibes only I'll get out of my kitchen yeah well yeah yeah, that's what I do you know I, I do say to people you know please do not have that conversation in the kitchen and if they do have the conversation in the kitchen I ask them to leave yep I'm like, could you please take that conversation out of this kitchen? Because bitterness is not an ingredient I serve in my food. Yes, and I, I am a person as well. People will come up to me and dump a lot of their yes. trauma, and I'm, I'm, oh, I'm that's more okay. Than, that's okay. But I'm not happy. in my kitchen, bitch. And then when they come in, <laughs> I get like. You know, they. I guess I have this energy where people come in and they start talking to me. And they're like, and I'm more than happy to, you know, conversate. But um, yeah, they start to, you know, dump about their relationships, about their mom. And I'm, you Not know, in my food. And I'm just like sitting there listening, and I don't want to be rude, but there's a time where there's a time I'm rude. 
I kick I, him out. I know you're very um I thought I was direct and then you came along and I'm no, like, I'm like, get out of my kitchen. Yeah, over the years I've learned to be a bit more softer and delicate. Yes, I try. I, more I, I gentle. Rem- I remember cooking at an ashram probably two thousand and five and we were cooking and we were volunteering in the kitchen up at Mangrove Mountain with Sachinanda and there was somebody bitching about their divorce and the yogi came over, he's like, Please can you stop that conversation? No, second time, third time, I'm gonna have to ask you to leave the kitchen. No ifs, ands, or buts. Leave the kitchen yeah. now. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. But all that macrobiotic stuff, cooking food as medicine to help Michelle get better. And she, this is now 20 years later. It's an, and energetic, she's fine. It's an energetic field it's, as well. So if you're if you're connecting that, and uh, uh, as we're saying with the water experiment, I highly recommend for people to go look into it. I actually Dr. Just, Emoto. Uh, Dr. Emoto. Yasumi Emoto. Yeah, University of Tokyo, water experiments. He has like three different vases. You can do it at home as well, so you can um, do it yourself. He had three mm. different jars. He had uh, rice with three in three different jars. And because water is a conductor, so he used yes. rice as it um, absorbs in the water. And he did an experiment where the first jar, he was speaking very positive affirmations to it. The second jar, he was speaking negatively to. Mm. And the third one, he Neutral. ignored. Yeah. So completely ignored it, and they found through that one that they ignored, it started rotting. The the one that he was speaking positively in, it started molding, and then the one that he was speaking positively into, it was completely fine. And I've been ta- I talk about this a lot of the times, and I show it to everybody, and then I'm like, look into it, it's great. But I know some people will refute it, whatever. But do it for yourself, and that's do what, it for yourself. And you can do that experiment. And this goes back to the fascia. Yes. The fascia is where the majority of the water in your body is stored. We ho- we even hold trauma and it manifests in our body. So, And even when someone... Um, you Meridian know, lines, acupuncture, stuff like that. This is all about the fascia, baby. Exactly. And if, with energy, if as they say, energy, we're energy. Yes. And if energy is produced, it's not going to go anywhere. It can only transmute it, or it transform. Transmute. Exactly. So it's going to be stored in there. Yeah. And that's why um, I'm glad we got to meet and cook together and I got to share my Middle Eastern food with you that you've got. Roland makes amazing Indian cuisine. I mean, he's well-versed, but he's he loves cooking his Indian yeah. cuisine and absolutely love it. I get to share the kitchen with him. I get to share the kitchen with him again very soon. Oh, love yes. Fest. we got Love Fest coming yes. up, so we're going to be cooking. I'll be making the jadara, which is the Middle Eastern oh, lentil God, with the hummus. Thing. Yes, oh. it's simple, easy. And t- I'm going to make tabbouleh as well. Okay, With perfect. the tush. All right, then I'm going to make baba ganoush. Yes. Yeah, because I'm going to make baba I'll make hummus, <laughs> caramelized See, Now onion. we just started talking about the recipes. <laughs> well, Polos has been asking me for the, he's like, um, I need to send him the recipe. So he, I might um, give this to him and be like, just here, here you go. Um, watch mustard flats. <laughs> watch watch my maize on mustard flats uh, and you will get the recipe right here. Yeah. Um, I love that. Um, love Fest, I am really excited to go to. Mm. It's been on my um, to-do list. To, to-do list. Yeah. I'm really excited. I love conscious events of gatherings. Uh, Roland and I do attend quite a few. We've met through a a beautiful community of the Soul Shack and um, we connected through cooking and ever since we have been Mm. connected and we just got along, house on fire and it's such a privilege to be able to, it's such a community that people don't really know about and it's I guess a subculture, whatever you want to call it. 
it doesn't sometimes get the best positive light. I guess some people think about it as hippies going into the wilderness and going on drugs. That's not necessarily no, the truth. No, we go camping and reconnect with nature. And, and, Absolutely. And, and this is what – I'm going to bring this back now, back to AI, because this is what AI gives us an opportunity to do. If we're going to all be watched over by machines and loving grace, I would not have to. Like I'm cooking at this love fest. I got to leave early because I got to fly to Brisbane to deliver a keynote on an AI conference in Brisbane, then back to Melbourne. I'm all over the place, and at the moment, I'm the tip of the spear trying to change the mindset of AI. But you know, in in Roland's perfect world, we've got a bloody war going on. We've got multiple wars going on in the world. We got governments that are, are, you vote and then your vote means nothing because somebody goes into power and then a lobbyist group mm. decides what the hell's going to happen in the politics. Mm. I want to shift this. So Mark, like where I think we're going to go with AI, what I really think we want to do. the digital transformation. This is the digital transformation. So yeah. here's Roland's master plan. Let's disrupt it. Let's okay, disrupt let's the disrupt world. Let's disrupt this. Okay, so we've got, what, 206 sovereign states in the world or nation states. Correct. I believe that nationalism and nationalist pride is... A dangerous thing, especially when combined oh, with religion. Absolutely. And nation states, everyone's like, oh, they've been around forever. Bullshit. The concept of nation states is about 300 it's years old. It's just old. Div division. It's, it's where the human race. When France as a, as a country was created, I think 18% people, or maybe 18% mm. of the people spoke French. Okay, there were these groups of people and, and passports and border controls and all of the things that we go to war for and fucking America, Russia, China, Australia, South Africa, all of these things are new concepts as well as the way we work. So how about this for an idea? Because I think I, I came up with this about 10 years ago. Give uh, it to us. Give it to you. All right. Give it to me. So if we use the Linux developer network to develop AI, that is distributed in a mesh network. So every person on their mobile device has a small bit of the code. Okay, we're going to get technical now. Stick with me. They've got a small bit of code on their network. We can use a mesh network. So there's no single server. There's no single thing to blow up. And then we look at the tiers of government. So in Australia, we've got three tiers of government. I've got municipal. I've got state. I've got federal. But where are you from, Maze? You're from Earth. Exactly. I'm an earthling. You're an earthling. You're a human being. Yes. Your religion is love. Exactly. If we take that principle, because we are on this planet and we are going to live and die on this fucking planet together. So let's say we have four layers of, of government that we should have. But at the moment, we just vote on a national level, you know, and then we conflict and fight with everyone else. We spend approximately 40% of our tax dollars in administration on the state, federal and national level, uh, 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 municipal uh, state and, and federal government, okay, and on the military. Between that and the military, we spend like 40% of our tax dollars. How about we use a distributed AI entity that uses blockchain to authenticate all communications to get rid of that? And we vote for everything. So there's a there's a pothole in the road. That's what we need. We need yeah. to bring power to the people. We need to bring power to the people. True democracy. If you go back to Greece. And that's how I was saying about AI. We can utilize it in a way, in a very positive, in a positive way it can impact us as humans to showcase and show us that it will help us integrate what we've got now mm. and give us a more leveled out playing field of and just fairness and also more power to the us and realize us humans don't realize the power of our mind the 
we don't realize how much we're capable of doing. Beautiful. And the more we can tap into that, and AI can actually help us with that yes. in a very positive way. Shift from a Shift. human doing yes. to a human being. Exactly. We're supposed to be, we're not supposed to do. And I fall into this trap all the time. But imagine we vote on the pothole down the road. Everybody gets to vote and it's checked with biometrics, yep. run through a blockchain to authenticate your connection yep. and manage through an AI that is in a distributed met. Then we vote on a, a state level component. Then we vote on a national level component. Then we vote on a world component. Do we want deforestation of this do we want to kill whales here if you look at what's happening in the world at the moment the vast majority of people are voting against some of the genocide that's happening absolutely they're, they're protesting against it but the governments that they put in power are not absolutely so we, we pay the government right and we're paying people to literally kill and enslave maim and rape and torture on our behalf with exactly. our dollars uh -huh. my tax dollars going towards a war machine Burn my it's ass. Business. It's business. It's they're using their toys. They're like, oh, how can yeah. I use my toys? Leave it there. Dump it. I don't have to worry about cleaning up the dump. It's in a different country because that's also a different, that's another um, element of it. But it's just, it's all business and the people that. Ultra capitalism. The yes, exactly. And, and lobby groups who, who use their power, you know, to, to put down the vast majority uh -huh. of people. I believe we can give power, true democracy, back to the people using AI. Absolutely. And with anything in life, you can use it in a very destructive way or very positive way. And that's why it's more, it's our perception. What I'm, we're getting from this episode and what we're trying to get into is the perception, how you work and how the intention that you put into yes. things that's from you know from cooking to developing exactly. ai entities and it's all intention and one of the things i had is um a moment psilocybin actually showed me that <laughs> plant medicine plant medicine and i'll, I'll call it's got it energy yes and i'll um medicine is uh, is great in so many ways and holding space in that and plant medicine is one of the best ways i it opened up my mind at 19. Mm. So that's when my brain just expanded. And I had a moment of, I looked out on the ground and I saw um, a snail and ants and I moved the snail with my finger and I started crying because I was like, oh, I was so aggressive towards it. This little snail is moving <laughs> so slowly. So I started feeling like, be gentle, be gentle. So I started being gentle and I was like, just be gentle. And it was just the act of kindness to a, a little, small little snail. Yes. And then I saw, um, so I, as, as I was weak crying, I, was, I, I moved it to uh, slowly away. And I didn't want it to be um, annihilated by the ants. But um, because I moved it so quickly, and I obviously tipped it over and I was a bit... Um, quick with my movements and then I realized this thing came upon me and I, I took a big breath in and I felt like I was taking a big breath in with the universe with earth itself and I took it all in and all I remember was like you just need to be more gentle gentle to your soul gentle yes. to your mind gentle to everything around you and ever since and not saying it's easy but i try to uh, implement that every single day of my life and sound like oprah but it's a fucking journey you yeah. know and then when, and, and <laughs> yeah. when the learning stops we die yeah absolutely so so our call to action is to get together developers around the world with a consciousness 
and build an AI, and it may be in line with what they're saying, an overarching AI that will watch over us with loving grace. That's what we want. That's what I want to see. That's beautiful. And we've got to empower people and a peer-to-peer mesh network of developers to deliver a solution. And and I'm, I'm saying still keep the, the, the police, still keep the fire department. But how do they execute tasks? How do they fix the hole in the road, the roads department? Absolutely. Somebody gets an email from a power higher up. If that power higher up can be an AI entity. With no bias. With no bias. Exactly. We What's can your last? all live in this planet together. Exactly, and then having that lasting effect on um, all of us. Mm. And what is your last message to all of our listeners, to all of our viewers? One last little message to everyone before we say goodbye. This is going to be so important. If you treat others the way you want to be treated, as your underlying principle, people on the internet, strangers, everybody else, we are training artificial intelligence how to treat us moving forward. Absolutely. So everything we put on the internet is training the large language model, the generative AI. It's fucking training at all. Absolutely. Be nice. Be to kind. Each other. Be kind to Siri. Be kind to Siri. Be, Be kind, kind to, to all your fellow humans. And speaking, I've got a little gift for you. Um, gift, gi- act of gifting. Um, also, learn people's love language and give them that love. And one of my love languages is gifting and receiving gifts, whatever that is. Thank you so much. Mine is cooking and acts of service. Acts of, yeah, like acts giving and um, sharing. Giving, giving. I have a cactus here for you. Thank you so much. It's a, a little cutie there. It's got a, it's a Peruvian old lady cactus. Fantastic. I love it. Thank you so much, Maze. It's really been marvelous talking to you. My pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. And um, I'm, I loved it. I enjoyed it. I'm sure our listeners are going to absolutely love this. I'll and be back anytime, really. I would love I, to I, have I got you. a thousand and one things that I could talk about, and I could talk underwater just like oh, you. Oh, we can talk for hours <laughs> and hours on end. <laughs> Nick is like, okay, you got to wrap this up now because you guys will just go He's forever. Like, Come on, wrap it up. <laughs> thank you so much to Not everyone. It was fascinating to listen to, and thank you for popping in it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to be here thank you so much my pleasure and thank you to all of our listeners thank you to everyone who's been tuning in you can watch this on youtube or you can listen on spotify apple all of the jazz thank you to mustard flats for having this channel and this platform for us on for mind maze thank you roland and we will see you on the flip side au revoir bye bye bye